A Christmas Story with Ralphie and his little, little brother. And so somebody else has seen that too? Yeah, great, great. And I think we know every single line as we watch it. Yep, yep. And it never gets old. We always like watching that movie. And then uh, there's... Uh, yeah, there's, everybody's got their favorites, and there's, and there's always the search for more than one, two or three um, stories about a Christmas carol, the Ebenezer Scrooge, and, you know, you have your favorite, I think Captain Picard's my favorite, but uh, he's not really Captain Picard on the, but there's uh, Henry Winkler, and then there's some animation ones, and they all kind of tell the story slightly the same, slightly differently, but they're, they're fun to watch. We enjoy watching those things over and over. And then there's one of our favorites has Peter Falk in it. It's about a, a Christmas ornament, how it makes its way from uh, occupied Germany back to America and stuff. It's just fun, and we watch it, and we enjoy it over and over. And as I was thinking about this week, uh, we have this incredible story, the birth of our Savior. And I think it's worth watching again. Amen, amen, amen. And, uh, and so what I've done today is I've put together in a chronological order, um, Matthew 1 and Luke 1, Matthew 2, Luke 2, that just outlines the, all the nuances of the birth story with John the Baptist and stuff. So I put it together and then just with a few comments in between, but it's basically just going to be reading the scriptures. And there was a day when I could remember things better, Not, never good, but better, but today... I couldn't remember where my keys were, so I have to read this because there's no way I could, could get through it otherwise. And then, as when we finish that part of it, um, we'll talk about the reason for the season. You know, the cliche, the reason for the season. So this is titled, The Birth of a Savior. And um, I'll just jump in. Now, I'm, I'm not going to be telling you which verses are which at this particular point because we're just going to read this like a narrative. And then as we get into the... Uh, the reason for the season, you'll have opportunity to write down a lot of verses that we're going to be seeing. So, so let's just go ahead and jump in. This is the Christmas story in a chronological order, starting out with the angel who's announcing the birth of John the Baptist. There was in those days, the days of Herod, king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was one of the daughters of Aaron, of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as a priest before God in the order of his division, there was 24 of them that did this, and he was the eighth one in that division, so it was his turn at this particular time to be the the priest that went into the temple. So while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense, which that was his job for the day, when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside of the, at the hour of the incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to, to Zacharias, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw it, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel, angels always say this, by the way. So if someone ever greets you this way, pay attention. But, and the angel says to him, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayers heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just." And to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah says to the angel, how shall, this, how shall I know this? I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you about and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the days of these things take place. Because you did not believe my words 
which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he couldn't speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned them uh, to them, but he couldn't speak. He remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed and went home, went to his house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself for five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. Because, you know, if you're a baron, people look down on you. And then the angel announces the birth of God's only son to Mary in Luke 1. Now in the sixth month, an angel Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to the man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. I just wanted to take a little sidebar here on this thing because this idea of betrothal and what goes on with Joseph and Mary and that interaction betrothal in those days in that culture was a legally binding agreement that was made usually the mother uh, father of a young girl between the ages of 12 and 15 would look for a husband for her the mother and father of a young man between the ages of 18 and 20 would be looking for a woman for her for their son and when that arrangement happened It was a legally binding agreement. The only way you could stop that arrangement at that particular point was through death or a certificate of divorce. And it generally happened in two parts. There was an engagement, so to speak, as we would see it, more of a, almost a a courtship that would take place for about a year. That gave the two parties, the, the young woman and the young man, a chance to get to know each other for about a year. It also gave the parents a chance to prepare for the wedding and it took and gave the, the families time to prepare for the loss of their son or daughter's labor because in that culture everybody worked for the support of that family well that's going to change now when that little girl that little boy leave the home so there was time for them to prepare and it also confirmed the chastity of the the young woman a year's time if she was pregnant they would know And then the second part of that, the girl would move in and live with the man after about that year when they declared the day of the wedding. And uh, the relationship was then consummated and they became husband and wife in the full sense of the the word and the full freedom of the word. And I, as I read through that and I thought about, um, you know, we just kind of read, I read past that and just, okay, they're betrothed and they move on and Joseph's, you know, because a good guy about it. But I've always failed to think about we're talking about Mary being maybe 13, 14 years old. I think about the young girl, 13 to 14 years old, with the incredible amount of maturity that she had and the way she responds to God when God talks to her about what's going to happen to her. And Joseph, a young man, 18 to 20 years old, showing this amazing protection of the family, believing God, following God's instructions to keep his family safe. And I know that's not always in the Christmas story, but don't miss the fact that these were two committed young people thinking clearly, following God's message with little regard to their future years that they have. They were in the moment obeying God. So I just wanted to share that with you. That it's, This is not just Mary and Joseph. This is incredible young people that God has chosen to, to do this. So... So now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel went, was sent to, by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting is this. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have, been, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, understatement. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be 
no end. Mary says to the angel, How can this be, since I do not even know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Isn't that great? And the angel departed. Mary goes and visits Elizabeth. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah, entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm sure this is Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and this would confirm to Mary that her baby, Jesus, is the one that they've been waiting for, the Savior, the Savior. Then Elizabeth spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb with joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those which are, were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. Remember, this is a 13, 14-year-old girl. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. John the Baptist is born. Now Elizabeth, full, Elizabeth's full time came and for her to deliver, and she brought forth a son. When the neighbors and the relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him by his, the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said, There's no one in the, among your relatives that has been called by this name. So they made signs to his father. What would you have him called? And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote and said, His name is John. And they were all marveled by this. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. Then fear came over all of them who dwelt around them, and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Amen. And has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been, since, have been here since the beginning of the world, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercies promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our fathers Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and in righteousness, before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people, 
by the remission of their sins. I hope you're picking up all these things that are going on here and that they're saying about this little baby Jesus. Yeah. Amazing. You would, the remission of your sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the child grew and became strong in the spirit and was in the desert till the day of his manifestation to Israel. That's a long time, folks, like 30 plus years. Joseph finds out that Mary's pregnant, Matthew 1. Now the birth of Jesus was as followed. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make a, a public example of her, was minded to put her away secretly. But an angel shows up and talks to, to Joseph. And says this, But while they, he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in the dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. <clears throat> and then the angel quotes a, a, prophet, or a, a prophecy from Isaiah in Isaiah 7. He says, So all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Joseph obeys the command of this angel. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her first son, firstborn son. And this is the birth of Jesus in Luke 2. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everybody to their own city. Joseph and Mary have to make a long trip to Joseph's hometown. It's about 70 miles as the crow flies from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And if you were traveling with a donkey um, on the trails, you could make that trip in about four, four days or so. But Joseph, being the protector of his family that he was, and since Samaria and the Jews were not exactly buddies at that particular time, there was great fear that there would have something happen to them on the road. So Joseph took kind of the long way around to keep his family safe. And coupled with the fact that Mary was pregnant and close to delivering, um, it probably took them a week, maybe 10 days, to take that extra 20 miles or so that were out of their way to finally get there. So just keep in perspective, this wasn't just a little jaunt on a nice trail that you go through. This was, this was a journey. This was, was a journey. So Joseph also went to Galilee out of the city of Nazareth in, the, in Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was... So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to, to deliver. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The innkeeper wasn't the bad guy like you've seen sometimes on TV. Go away, there's no room in the inn. You know, there was just simply no room because everybody was going to their city and there just was no place. He was actually pretty nice to offer the stable that they ended up having the baby in. So here we are, and the shepherds now hear the news from the host of angels. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, 
An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Angels must be fearful. I mean, when you see them, they must be incredible. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is, the, who is the Christ, the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with him an, all, a, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. I, boy, I picture that hillside lighting up in an army of angels. Glory to God. They, that had to get their attention. They had to get their attention. Well, the shepherds decide they're going to go check this out. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them and into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let's go and go into Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. They weren't ashamed to talk about it, that's for sure. And all those who heard it marveled at these things which they were told by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told to them. Mary and Joseph were good, godly Jewish parents, so they had some things that they had to do. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Because it is written in the law of the Lord that every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So they went there to offer a sacrifice according to what it is said of in the law. And that is, for them, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And while they're at the temple, they meet a man named Simeon. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Hmm. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up. Can you imagine he just run over and grabs your baby, took him up and held him in his arms and said, Blessed, blessed God, and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the faces of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. That made his day. That made his day. Amen. Amen. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. And for a sign which will be spoken against, yes, a sword will pierce through your soul as well. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Wow. Can you imagine hearing that as a mom with an eight-year-old, eight-day-old baby? They saw another prophetess there named Anna. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess and the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity and this was, woman was a widow of about 84 years old. She never left the temple but served God with fasting and prayers night and day and coming in that instant she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for the redemption of Jerusalem. Then God sends the wise men from the land of Daniel 
in Matthew 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. I just want to stop there because last week I mentioned about the wise men in there and uh, I noticed somebody moved our wise men away from the stable over there and put it somewhere else but uh, I, I just wanted to help us understand this wise men thing was a, a big deal not only did it help Mary and Joseph with some some funds right up front to, to help care for Jesus but but <clears throat> it's good for us to understand that a caravan like this would not be as I pictured in my mind, three yeah, yeah. magi cruising up on three camels. Yeah. They climb off, they bring some gifts in, kneel at the manger and say, you know, hey, this is cool, see ya, and leave. This would have been an entourage of, it could be as many as 12 kings, princes from different lands. Maybe 100 plus camels. It would include a small band of personal guards, armed guards that would travel with them, and loads and loads of food. They traveled about a thousand miles to make this journey. It took them nearly 60, 75 days to do this. So they didn't just throw a power bar in their back pocket and take off and go do this. This had to be well planned, and it was not uncommon for this kind of a... So, when, so get the picture now. When Herod... When they come into the city, by the way, when they come into Jerusalem, they don't go find Herod. They start asking around. They're asking around the people. It just says it right there. Herod finds out that they're asking around. He rightly would be scared of what's going on here because now they're here to, to worship the new king of Israel, but there's a lot of them, and they're powerful, and they're rich. So he would have some concern about that. So with that in mind, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came, to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Yeah. When Herod heard, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. Well, now you can understand why they would be troubled about this. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them, Where is this Christ? who was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come the ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search and carefully uh, carefully for the young child and when you have found him bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also yes. yeah well God sends the wise men off to worship Jesus and to provide some money for the family mm-hmm. when they heard the king okay that these wise men when they heard the king they departed and behold the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over the house where the young child was When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And get this part. And when they came into the house, okay, just what they weren't in the stable, they were in the house. They came into the house. They saw the young child, not the baby, the young child, with his Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. And God protects his family and fulfills other prophecies. And he says, now, when they had departed, okay, they had just left, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream, saying, arise and take the young child and his mother Flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. 
When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night. Now he got up and left. Yeah. Got up and left. And they departed for Egypt. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord throughout the prophets, saying, Out of Egypt I call my son. And just so you know, this period of time that they were in Egypt was not a really long period of time. It could be as little as two weeks to maybe a month or so, because there's historical records when he died, when Herod died. So they weren't gone for long. But Herod does some damage in that time that he's gone. But Jesus was safe in Egypt, and Satan was mad that he didn't get a chance to use Herod to kill Jesus. But God had already written the end of this story, and he told us about these things through the writings of the prophet Jeremiah and many, many years earlier. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, isn't that interesting? Deceived by the wise men. He was trying to deceive them the whole time. How he was deceived by the wise men was exceedingly angry. So what does he do? He sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and its all surrounding districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. Herod dies, Joseph brings his family back. Now when Herod had died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph and said, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. So he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But they don't go back to Bethlehem, where they left from, where they fleed from. But when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea, instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth. That is, it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Amazing how this all fits together. And then in Luke 2. So, when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon you. That's the story of the birth of our Savior, Luke, Matthew's accounts of that. And I think it's important that, as though we are probably very familiar with these details, a lot of these details, it's good for us to go over them again. If we could have that so much energy to watch a Christmas carol every Christmas, we'd have an opportunity to read that story every year in the order in which it happened. And John in his Gospels, has a slightly different perspective about the birth story and account of Jesus. And I'm going to read that to you. It's in John chapter 1. Now that you know about these little details that were there, listen to John's description. And and I think it's wonderful the way he summarized the life of Christ this way. He says this, In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness. To bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, 
and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own, his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received grace and grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. Now, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. That's John's take on the, the incarnation, the birth of Christ. And I love it. It speaks of the power. And you know, the Gospels, Matthew and Luke, talk about the little baby and the nurturing care that God took to get him to that spot. John opens up with, he is God, and this is what he has done, and this is why he is here. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, and this marks the beginning of that actual happening of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is good news. We know what that means. It's good news. And what the good news is, is that it's the coming of Jesus into the world who would provide forgiveness sins to all who believe. I'm going to put your seatbelts on because I'm going to be going through some verses here. Um, amen. Yeah, amen. And, and uh, putting this together. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. This is the good news. Okay? This is the good news. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, remember last week I was talking about denying, man, denying Jesus before man. This is kind of just the opposite of that. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. You know, we're all condemned. Romans 5:12 says just as through one man's sin entered into the world and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. We're all condemned and we're all guilty. Romans 3:23, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And there is punishment. Romans 6:23 the wages of sin are death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ our Lord. And how long does that punishment last? For eternity. Revelation 20, verse 15 says, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown in the lake of fire. Matthew 25 kind of explains that a little bit to us till we have the full impact of it. He says this, these, those are unbelievers, will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. The place that was prepared for devil and his angels, Revelation 20 again, and the sea gave up the dead which were in them, and death and Hades gave up their dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. By the way, if you've ever, never done a study on that book of Revelation and the verses that kind of support what this judgment is like from yeah. 20, 21, and so on, um, you, sh- you do yourself a favor and read through that because I, I was going to say this a little later, but I, I want to say it now. Sometimes it's hard to hear these things. Mm-hmm. And we think, well, God's God of love, and okay, it, he can't punish everybody forever. And, and Just let me warn you. Do not second-guess the plan that God has unfolded to us in his word. Um, It's dangerous for us to think 
that God is being unfair and unjust because we have a God who is totally just, totally righteous, and it is his plan. And some time ago we talked about the secret things of God are God's and what he's revealed to us we need to hang on to and go with. This judgment and the way this thing comes down, we should not think that God is anything but a loving God. And don't fall prey to the fact that you think you would have a better plan than God because that's a, it's a dangerous, dangerous place to go. So when God says they will be eternally judged in the lake of fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels, our response should be, I am so glad you saved me, Amen. Lord. And that's where it should stop. So they were judged, and every one of them according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found in this, written in this book of life, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The bad news that we are all separated from God by guilt of our sin is reversed by the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Because of the great love for us, God made a way for us to be forgiven from our sins. If you've ever watched a football game, you have seen this verse, John 3.16. Powerful verse. says it all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's funny how we might question eternal damnation. What about we have eternal life? You can't pick and choose. It's what God says. So he sent his son Jesus to take away the sin of mankind. That little baby grew up and did what he did, and you know the story. Take the sin of mankind on himself through death on a cross. First Peter 2, verse 24 says, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you are healed. When Jesus took our sins on himself, he assured us forgiveness if we believe in his name. You understand it's not the word J-E-S-U-S, Jesus is his name. It's his character behind the person. It's the character. And that's what we believe in. We believe in the character of the Son of God. His name is Jesus. And of him, Acts 10, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. A gift too good to be true. What a Christmas gift. When Jesus took our sins, he assured us that we would have forgiveness. And his resurrection assures our justification before God. Romans 4.25 says he was delivered over because of our transgressions, and he was raised because of our justification. We know the way to be free from the penalty of sin. We know that now. We have his word. John 14.6, great verse. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We already read this, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And we are promised physical resurrection to eternal life. And it's not uncommon. I mean, it was well known. In fact, there's a story with Lazarus. Remember when Lazarus died? Mary and Martha were upset that Jesus was a long ways away and they sent word to him and tried to get him here as soon as possible to help Lazarus. And we know how that story goes. But Jesus says to Martha when he finally gets there, she says, he says to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, says well, I, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So it was well known what was going to happen. So I, I know that he'll rise again on the, on the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to, her, said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even if 
they die. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That was Jesus asking that question. Do you believe this? I hope we can all say yes. And those who reject will not only die physically, but will be subject to the second death, which is called the lake of fire. Again, in Revelation 20, in the sea gave up the dead which were in them, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. You see, they had not believed or put their faith in Jesus, therefore they were being judged for their sins. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And this idea has always stuck in my mind as, in my mind, it was the worst thing in failing to believe. 2 Thessalonians 1.9 Those who do not believe will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And here's what gets me about that. It's one thing to be cast aside into the lake of fire which is hot and dark and lonely and all the bad things that go along with that and say, why am I here? I don't get it. This is not right. I just don't understand why I'm here when there will be full knowledge of why they are separated from God. Remember the verses that talk about every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That's everybody, not just those who believe and willingly drop the knee, but those who have rejected him. When they are separated and thrown into the lake of fire, they are there with a full understanding of who God is, a full understanding of their denial, and a full understanding they are getting what they deserve. And that is so scary to me, to, to know that, to know that. So if you haven't already, it's time you really want to call on the Lord. Call on the name of the Lord. Acts 4, verse 12 says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Romans 10, Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, the Lord made your heart. He can turn your heart. How do you do that? Well, first thing you do is you recognize that you're a sinner and you repent from those sins. Repent. You turn from them. You're going this way, you turn around and go this way. Repent for your sins. And you seek the forgiveness that God has offered you. And you believe that he is the resurrected Lord of your life. That as a a stamp of approval, so to speak, as it says in Psalm Two, it's a stamp of approval. God raised him from the dead because the work was completed. It was finished. And if you do that, you'll be saved from the eternal separation to be a true child of the Most High. I like this story for Christmas. Yes. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's worth repeating. And... Uh, I really hope that you see it and you trust in it and understand it. And if you don't, ask somebody, talk to somebody about it because it's going to be a dark time, hot, where the worm dieth not and all the descriptions of what hell is look, looks like. A place where the devil and his angels are, the, the fallen angels are. It's a place that you don't really want to go to. I... I shudder when I hear people say, eh, I'm going to hell, but all my friends will be there. You won't see another person in there. You are alone. Alone with the knowledge of who you rejected. And all the bad things flash before your eyes on a continual basis where the pain is so strong and there's no relief from it. And you don't have to do it. You don't have to be there. This is not hard stuff to to believe. It's not hard at all because we have so much evidence. 
and talk to somebody that life was going this way and they trusted in Christ and now their life is going this way. You can't deny that. And it's kind of disappointing that people who don't know the Lord don't know this. But the moment you really trust in the Lord, you know it. Something changes in your whole thought process. It physically changes you. And you wish you could drag people into that feeling before, but that's not what belief is. That's not what faith is. You come by faith, and you're, what's the right word? You're, you're stamped with reality for your faith. The way you think. You don't always think correctly. You may lash out, but your mind goes right to, oh, that was probably not the right thing to do. Well, that never happened to me before I knew the Lord. It was just the way I thought, and too bad. If you didn't like it, let's step outside. I didn't do that very often because I'm a little guy. But, but the point was, I'd shoot him. <laughs> but, uh, but the point is we change the way we think about things. We change what we do with the circumstances that we are in. That's what's different. That's what's different. Can't wait. Let's pray. Lord, just thank you so much for, for your word and for the power that it has. And it's not just empty words. It, there's a reality that we see in our faith in you and the way you change our heart, the way you change the way we think. And we know every day we learn and every day we are set apart more from this world, more like um, our Savior Jesus and, and and not in some weird way where we will become gods but we will become the people that God intended us to be when he created us and these bodies will be rejuvenated and will live and be nourished eternally in your presence to a, a place where there are pleasures in your right hand forever and so far away from the pain and suffering and the non-belief Help us to be strong in our faith. Help us to understand the changes that take place and embrace them rather than deny them. Thank you so much for the Christmas story. Thanks for coming the way you did. The time of history that you did was perfect, as are you. So we ask that you bless our time next door as we have a little pizza and some conversation. And and just thank you again for, for all you do for us. Happy birthday. Amen.